this is a slightly different subject, but it's uh, something that came for some reason. You know, it's interesting, like, um, the Old Testament actually does have a, um, a very good uh, uh, analogy to, to sort of duality, non-duality, which is like the Garden of Eden, actually. The idea that Adam and Eve were unclothed, naked, and didn't, didn't realize it until they ate of the tree of knowledge, right? Pretty good, um, pretty good pointing to like the dualistic nature of thought, right? Of knowledge, of thinking. Um, and then we go into the serpent and all that being, I don't know, the ego and so forth. But I think just that mechanism is actually pretty interesting that this is like very central to the Old Testament even and a very different flavor of the Old Testament from the New Testament and the gods and all that. But yeah, at the core there, there's definitely a, a pointing to the, the truth of non-duality or at least the truth of the uh, binding experience of mind, the binding experience of thought. Um, and what's interesting is I, for some reason, can relate it to this um, one line from one of the uh, 10 Oxfording pictures. I think it's the, I can't remember which one it is. I'll probably get it wrong. But the line essentially says, when one thought springs from enlightenment, all subsequent thoughts are true. Through delusion, we make everything untrue. And that's totally it. So even, even thought is not actually the issue. It's, it's the, um, it's that inversion, that inversion of experience to a seeming inward inner world, to an inner world, to a world of a self apart, a distinct self apart, living in time, um, experiencing space that causes a sense of ongoing duality. That the sum total of that has a sort of energetic signature to it, and from that place, everything is going to feel wrong. It just does. Everything feels off. Every thought feels off. Every emotion feels off. <laughs> it's just it's sad but true. As soon as that inverts, though, um, it's like, wow, reality is benign. Reality is so simple. Reality is not your enemy. No one's, you know, set anything up against you. It's just not like that. So you got to kind of undrink from the, uh, the or uneat that fruit or um, not drink from the, the, uh, the well of knowledge. How do you undo that? How do you take that backward step? That's what we're always talking about here. We're always talking about how to take that backward step. Sometimes you kind of figure out a method and it seems to deliver the goods one way or another, even through failure. And sometimes it just happens for you. Um, but to step back out of knowledge, to step back into innocence, um, then everything that flows from it is, is fresh, simple, obvious, natural, spontaneous. And nothing has changed and everything has changed. Nothing has changed, but you can discern, you can't actually find that. And yet everything has changed. Um, I've heard people say it like, uh, I think, well, Gangaji said it one way that I thought was really nice. She said all of a sudden everything was just right side up. I had never been right side up in my life and all of a sudden it was. It's a good way of saying it, you know. Um, we defend it so vigorously we defend that that inner separate world that inner separate self and we don't even know why we defend it we really don't even know it just seems like what the thing it seems like what we should do i could blame it on thought and say you know the the internal world of thought is internally consistent and it you know if you believe the thoughts you will feel defensive you will feel like there's something to protect 
to uphold, to defend. Um, but even that, it's like, it's not really happening. None of that's actually happening. It's a, it's kind of an effect of mirrors. It's like a house of mirrors or two mirrors directed one into the other inside the mind. That's the reflective nature of consciousness. It gets set up with this standing wave that always makes you feel apart from, apart from, apart from. As long as you're apart from, you're always going to seek. As long as you're apart from, you're always going to feel isolated. As long as you're apart from, you're always going to try to complete yourself or solve a problem that doesn't exist. Once you believe in the problem, you know, you're never going to find a solution. It's the carrot on the stick, then you're holding the stick. You'll always chase the carrot. You're always holding the stick. You'll always keep chasing. The carrot will always be in front of you. You'll never get to it. You know, the, the seeking mind is that way. The ego is always promising, never delivering. You know, always promising, never delivering. And as we always say, that will that mechanism will co-opt this even these messages, right? The spiritual process for a while. Um, but the beauty is, there is a way to see outside of this. There is a way for the system to stop functioning, um, uh, such that it seems to be creating an inner world. Like there's something that can that can break about that. It can stop, and it happens, and it's happening to people, you know, all the time. I think the the biggest key to it, honestly, is not as as much like who you believe or which kind of speaker you like to listen to or whether you believe in like hardcore practice or whether you don't or it's less about any of that. It's more like just keeping your eye on the ball, right? I'm not a sports guy either, but it's just that seems like the right thing to say here. Keeping your eye on the ball, like don't go unconscious purposely. Don't purposely go unconscious if you can if you can avoid that. Um, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, no matter how disorienting and confusing it gets, keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> even if you don't even know what the ball is, keep, keep the question going, keep the inquiry going. Even if you can't even figure out why you're inquiring anymore, you've lost touch with what even started this whole process for you, but keep it going. There's value to it. There's value to the inquiry into the nature of truth, the inquiry into the nature of self, the inquiry into the nature of emptiness. However this comes for you, however this comes forward for you, there's value to making this process central in your life. Um, tremendous value. I might say this, I don't know if this is exactly right, but it kind of feels like it in the moment. The, the, the initial barrier is really a personal barrier. It's the barrier of binding into thought after thought and, and questioning that such that you break that spell. Like Papaji would say, it doesn't take a second to wake up. It doesn't even take a half a second to wake up. It doesn't even take a tenth of a second to wake up. One, one instant of, of complete surrender to that which is not a thought, that which is not a belief right? A lot of things can point to this. The question of what was your face before your parents were born? That points you right past thought. You can't think about that. What is Mu? You can't think about that. Or even really, where are you? If you look and try to find it, you can't find that with a thought. You can't navigate that with a thought. So any of these can point us back to this. Um, but that initial shift, that initial insight is a sort of personal one. 
Um, the deeper insights actually are interesting in that, I would say, especially when we talk about shadow, there's a sort of collective aspect to that. Um, I don't know how I can unpack that without making it confusing because it's tricky to talk about, but um, the binding at the emotion level is a little more collective actually, I think, than the binding at the mind level. Um, we probably because we learn through emotional and empathic imprinting as we grow up, we learn to form an internal world with the, the barriers to that world or the that which defends that world is emotion based, and we learn that from other people, and we and what there's a lot of information packed into that. There's I'll say there's a lot of belief packed into that about how we should be, how we shouldn't be, how we should act, how we shouldn't act, what we should hide, especially what we should hide. You always hide this, this part of yourself. You hide this, yeah, shame and so forth. We, we empathically pick that up through, through our parents and through other people and through trauma and through people harming us and so forth. We pick that up and we internalize it and we bury it very deeply. That becomes, that material comes into play in deeper realization. And I think this is why a lot of people can overlook the deeper insights. Even very practiced, very established, uh, spiritual teachers in history and so forth can can overlook this. And if you ask yourself, well, how would I know that? Well, sometimes you may not know, and sometimes you can just tell by how they act, what they do in their personal life, for instance. Or, you know, we hear of these abuses in in institutional um, uh, religious situations and spiritual situations and all of it. And no, no, um, no area is free of this issue. Uh, it happens in Buddhism, happens in Zen, happens in Dzogchen, happens in Hinduism, happens in Christianity, right? Um, that kind of stuff comes up when the, the shadow hasn't been traversed, um, integrated, explored, and so forth. And that, there's a lot of social binding with that, that shadow stuff. I don't know why I said it. I just thought to say it. It came, it came to me. But... Um, all I can say is that what you, what, you're, what you traverse and what you're up against in deeper realization feels much bigger. Feels much bigger and much more um, visceral, both more visceral to you and, and bigger in the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, for instance, uh, looking deeply into your need for validation and how it controls your behavior, self-perception, communication style, relationships, Looking into that, that's deep shadow work. You don't have to do the, any of that to wake up initially. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. <clears throat> um, but as things deepen, then that, that stuff does tend to come into play. That's why I find it's interesting sometimes people will feel kind of stuck or they look kind of stuck or they might say they're kind of stuck. And, and then what actually unsticks them is a disruption in their life, in a relationship. Like something will blow up in their life. That's what will unstick them sometimes in deeper realization. So I'm not saying that has to happen. I'm just saying you're kind of playing a bigger game in this deeper stage of realization. You start to really feel it. It's um, stakes are higher. Uh, you'll be surprised how much has to move and shift and be let go of. Um, how energetic it gets sometimes, how physical it gets. It can be surprising. And yet the, you know, 
the willingness to just keep inquiring into your own beliefs, um, your own perceptions, your fundamental beliefs, your fundamental perceptions, and your willingness to just feel, thoroughly feel, no matter what it is, and be surprised. Keep, that, keep those in, in view and things will go well. And be patient. Thank <laughs> you.